Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Always, I just want you to say something. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I never know what I'm supposed to say. Anything, like, anything. Like, hey guys, anything. Hi, anything. I don't care. I'm sorry, okay, this is what I'm... It's just, it's a rough transition if, like... Okay, yeah, I'll do better. I'll do better. I will do better on the next episode. We'll just leave this in. This is where we're at. Also, we are... Almost nine minutes in right now and have recorded nothing, but for some lovely conversation about some things you probably don't want to know, um, go, ahead and listen. <laughs> go ahead and listen at the end. If you didn't know this about us, by the way, we always put any useless chit chat, we move it to the end so as not to disrupt the actual episode. So yes. if you haven't been listening to those gems, go ahead and check that out. Yeah, especially today. I really like to distract myself when we talk about this stuff. I literally sometimes I have to just like hit her and tell her to stop. Yeah. Okay. Today we are bringing you the disappearance of Michelle Venick. So on September 24 of 2005, 35-year-old Michelle Venick of Lakewood, Colorado, and her friend and hiking partner Eric Sawyer set out to summit Mount of the Holy Cross. Now, this is one of Colorado's famous 14ers. So a 14er is a mountain peak that reaches an elevation of 14,000 feet or higher. Colorado is home to 58 14ers, which is huge. It's the most of any in the United States. Yeah. Seriously, that's a lot. That's a lot of... That's really high mountains. That's really high mountains, yeah. So to be healthy and prepared for... Hiking a 14er, hikers need to be in excellent shape and experienced in high elevation hiking. The risk of being unprepared can be extremely dangerous and even deadly. Now, Eric would return safely from this hike, but Michelle would never be seen again. So Michelle was described as being 5 foot 7 and weighing 150 pounds. She had strawberry blonde hair and blue eyes and Michelle was athletic and at the time of her disappearance was an active marathon runner, triathlete, and avid climber. Right. And I will stress that, yes, it sounds like she's in physical condition, good physical condition, but that does not equal good hiking condition either. They are very different things. Mm-hmm. But she did do a lot of training for this hike. Now, she's also married to her husband, Ben, and has four children. Eric Sawyer is described as an avid hiker and had successfully hiked 38 of Colorado's 14ers. And in spite of being in good shape and highly active, Michelle was a less experienced hiker than Eric, obviously. Mm -hmm. This hike up Mount of the Holy Cross was to be her first attempt at a 14er. So this is her first time being in that high of elevation. And remember, Anything over 10, you're starting to look at elevation sickness Mm -hmm. as a possibility. And everybody is affected very differently by this. And you never know how you're going to be affected by it until you get into it. I get extremely, extremely nauseous. Yeah. Instantly, the second I cross that 10,000 foot... Maddie gets very nauseous and she gets very whiny. (laughs) I'm like hiking like the world is... I'm like, Madison, just throw up if you need to throw up, but shut up about it. Like, I cannot hear you say you're going to throw up one more time. (laughs) But 
Every time I feel like I was going to throw up, I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. I'm like, just do it then. But here's the thing. Before Madison ever hiked that high, I had already hiked that high before, and I knew how my body responded to it. So it was a lot safer for Maddie and I to go do that together because I know how my wits are going to handle being that high. So having Eric with her, who has hiked 38 times at this elevation, seems like it would be a good idea. Yeah, it takes me like two days to get used to it. The first two days were very rough being that high. Yeah. Eric had actually helped Michelle plan and prepare for this hike, and they had been working on it for a year and a half. She was very excited to finally get to go. I don't think I've trained for anything for a year and a half. Maddie doesn't Maddie doesn't train. I train and then I just drag her along complaining is what happens. That's what Maddie's training looks like. She's young. She doesn't have to train as much. Although it would have been helpful in many of our situations if she had. I mean, think about it. Europe. I wouldn't sure. have had to threaten or bribe you to continue hiking in certain situations. <laughs> You know what? Europe was a little rough for me. Europe was, a, Europe was a lot rough for Maddie. So Michelle and her husband actually went to Gart Sports and to Costco the day before her adventure to purchase new gear, which I don't know what you're purchasing the day before because I have never gone on a difficult hike or a multi-day hike with new gear. You have to test it. Like before I did Wonderland, Maddie and I went hiking on an Maybe overnight. like new hiking poles. Maybe, but even then, you don't know how they're going to perform. So they bought some new gear, and her husband, Ben, remembers how excited she was about her new gear and about her first 14er. So on the morning of September 24th, 2005, Michelle and Eric left the Half Moon Campground, which is just 20 miles south of Vail, Colorado, in the Sawwatch Range of the Rocky Mountains. This campground is also the trailhead for the Mount of the Holy Cross Summit Trails. It is also known as an old mining ghost town. There are two routes to the summit available from this trailhead, which, by the way, is more common than you would think. There are a lot of summits that you can choose multiple routes on. Yeah, because one route's usually absolute bullshit so one is usually longer and easier more switchbacks things like that and then one is usually a lot harder so on our hikes i like to do the hard one up and the easier one down so on this particular hike the easier and shorter of the two is the north ridge route the north ridge route is well worn and easy to find trails the entire time and is regularly marked with carins which we hate the easier North Ridge route also leaves from the campground and heads towards the southwest, forking right, following the Half Moon Trail, while the more difficult Halo Ridge route leaves from the campground towards the southeast, forking left, and follows the Fall Creek Trail. The Halo Ridge route is less commonly traveled, which means that the trail is not as worn or as well marked. Once hikers reach the ridge between Notch Mountain and Mount of the Holy Cross, the trail is not marked at all for the remaining two-plus miles of the hike. So this is where having actual maps and navigation would be really helpful. And I can tell you right now that Michelle does not have either of these things. Does the other guy, whatever his name is? Nope. 
Okay, all right. To each their own, I suppose, but this is not how I would be hiking it. So we'll post pictures of both routes. But the Halo Ridge route, hikers summit Notch Mountain and then follow the Saddle Ridge clockwise around the Bowl of Tears Lake, ending at Mount of the Holy Cross. The route is 13.8 miles long and gains a total of 5,249 feet in elevation and summits at 14,000 feet. So the Northridge route, hikers travel counterclockwise, and the route is 11.7 miles long and gains a total of 5,531 feet in elevation. Yeah, so if you are an experienced hiker, you're probably going the North Ridge route, right? 11 miles versus... 13? 13. The elevation difference isn't It's that only much. a couple hundred feet, yeah. So I would probably choose the North Ridge route over the Halo route just for the slightly shorter mileage because it's only a couple extra hundred feet in elevation gain. I think the other one sounds prettier. I like walking on... The Bowl of Tears. You just like the name of it. No, I like walking <laughs> on the ridge because you have to summit the one mountain and then walk on the saddle ridge. Well, see, I would go up one way probably and come down the other. I would do it like a loop so I could see both sides. So, and the North Ridge route is the more well-marked trail as well. So it's going to be easier to find your summit. Although usually finding your way down is harder than finding your way up. So I'm not sure that that part is a benefit. Now, on the day that Michelle and Eric hiked, there was construction going on because they were replacing the outhouse at this trailhead. So a lot of times when the outhouses get replaced, at least here, they'll be brought in by helicopter or some other way to switch them out. I don't know if that's the case here, but either way, there's stuff going on, and Eric would later report that this meant that the sign directing hikers toward the North Ridge versus the Halo Ridge route wasn't there. He claims that this is the reason that they ended up accidentally taking the harder Halo Ridge Trail. However, Eric is an experienced hiker and had planned this hike for a year and a half. So some people have raised question about his reliability to this claim. So basically, mm-hmm. he's saying, we got there, there was stuff going on, we didn't see the sign, we followed some car ends, we ended up on the wrong trail. Other people are saying, you planned this hike for a year and a half. Like, how could you not know which way you're going? But planning something on paper or in a book is very different than when you actually get there. Yeah, and the sign, if the sign was gone. Yeah, if the sign is gone. And then not only that, but a lot of people, when they get to a trailhead, they will just follow other people. Like, where are other people going? And that's where they'll go. Which probably is not the best plan to follow somebody. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, they also might not know where they're going. So um, I always use GPS. So I always have, like, the trail pre-downloaded so that I can see myself and the trail and what direction I'm going, especially for, like, loop trails where you want to go clockwise or counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't sound like they have that either. No. So Michelle and Eric set off on their hike around 6.30 a.m. Which is a little late for a big summit hike like this, by the way. Ah, they'll be fine. We know that they're not fine. What do you mean? I like, think 6.30. We know that they don't both come it's down. It's 5,000 feet of elevation gain. Yes, but they are high up. Okay. Yeah. When was the last time you did 5,000 feet of elevation gain? 
Europe. It, w- it was in Europe, I guarantee it. That was probably the last time you did that much elevation gain. Yeah. Uh-huh. How long How long were our days in they, Europe? They pro- they, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> we started like that early usually, at like mm-hmm. six. Yeah, but we also rolled in pretty late. And they're hiking, what did they? What did it say? 10, 10 miles, 13, they're on the hard trail, so 13 miles. That's one way. That's not round trip. That's 13 miles one way. True. That's a lot of mileage to cover in a day. Mm-hmm. Shortly after starting their hike from the campground, they started to run into problems. <sighs> Michelle started complaining of a headache and fatigue, and this is fairly early in the trek. Right, which is kind of concerning because they're not even at a high elevation yet. And both of these could be symptoms of altitude sickness. But they're pretty low still. I don't know. So in spite of this, they decided to keep pushing on. But Michelle had to slow down considerably. This caused Eric to worry that they wouldn't be able to summit within safe timeline. Right. Because you always have a turnaround time, especially on a hike like this. Mm -hmm. Like when we did Mount St. Helens, we had like a two o'clock turnaround time. Like if we didn't summit by two o'clock, we were done. We had to turn back. Mm -hmm. Because if you are out there too late in the day, coming down becomes very dangerous, especially at high altitudes like that. And not only that, but in the Rockies, rain or snowstorms start regularly about noon or 1 p.m., almost like clockwork. So if you know the weather in this area where they are, you know that the storms are coming. Mm -hmm. Now, it is very important that people planning to hike above the tree line plan to summit and be back below the tree line before the storm hit. This means going all the way up and being back to the tree line by noon. And they're starting at 6? That's not going to happen. I told you that was late. <laughs> yeah, well, no, since they have to be done at noon, yeah, that's late. Yeah. Now, there's also serious risk of lightning, whiteout conditions, falls, avalanche, getting lost, and much more. So Michelle was wearing a lightweight blue jacket with a white stripe on the sleeve, a blue and white hat, and white mittens. She matches. She matches very well. I know. She's she's matchy-matchy. Um, black Nike running pants. She carried a small cam- camelback? No. Camelback backpack? Camelback? Camelback backpack? Yeah. So I think that's just like a water yeah. backpack. So she carried a small camelback backpack of water and hiking poles. There you go. Neither her or Eric carried GPS, personal locator, beacon, detailed map, or compass. They didn't have a compass? No. Well, I mean, I didn't have a compass for a really long time. Most people who do have a compass don't even know how to use it, so it's useless anyway. Yeah. Now, the only navigational tool that they actually had with them was an illustrative map from a guidebook. An illustrative map? Right, and those are meant to look nice. They're not meant for actual instruction on direction. Uh-huh. So after hiking on the more difficult Fall Creek Trail, unbeknownst to them. Unbeknownst? Unbeknownst. That's what I said. Unbeknownst? Unbeknownst. Unbeknownst? Is that not what I'm saying? No. <laughs> Is that what you're hearing? You're saying unbeknownst instead of unbeknownst. What is the difference? Well, one of them is a word and one of them isn't. 
You're such an ass. <laughs> well, un- unbeknownst. Unbeknownst. Um, unbeknownst to them, for 2.3 miles, they reached a fork with a right-hand turn leading to the summit of Notch Mountain. Confused by this, they checked their illustrative guidebook map, and it was then that they realized that they had taken the wrong trail. It was also about this point, wait for it, that Eric realized he had accidentally left their food and his water purifier in the car. How do you forget your food? What the hell did you put in your backpack? Yeah. Well, because a summit hike like this, the majority of your weight is going to be your food and water. Yeah. What else do you have? I don't know. I don't know. Given these factors, plus the fact that Michelle was exhibiting symptoms of altitude sickness, they probably should have turned back around at this point and headed back to the car. But they did not. And when later asked by police why they didn't, Eric only said that if they had turned back to the trailhead, they wouldn't have had time to make it to the summit in one day. So they're only a few miles in. They're 2.3 miles in when they realize, oh, fuck, we don't have our food, we don't have our water, and we're on the wrong trail. And instead of turning back to correct these problems, they pushed on because... He was worried they wouldn't have enough time to summit that day, which they probably wouldn't have. Um, no. That is when you stop, you go back to the car, you be like, all right, let's do this next week. Yeah. And you just reschedule. But when you've planned something for so long and you think it's going to happen that day, it's hard for people to, it's that summit fever. It's hard for them to get that out of their head. Food and water. Food and water. Necessities, I know. Also, a map. A real map necessity. Now, the two hikers decided to push on. They took the right turn onto the trail towards the summit of Notch Mountain, which is a 13er that is right next to Mount of the Holy Cross. This trail took them above the timberline. Soon after summiting Notch Mountain, the hikers reached the Notch Mountain shelter. According to the USDA Forest Service website, this shelter was built in 1924 and serves as a shelter for hikers. While overnight camping is not allowed in the shelter, it is a good place for hikers to take cover in case of a storm. And it has a lightning rod, which makes it the perfect place to avoid being struck by lightning. Mm -hmm. Hikers can view the giant cross shape of snow that collects on the four sides of the Mount of the Holy Cross, which is visible... All but a few months of the year, which the Snowy Cross is the reason for the mountain's name. Really? If you didn't I would that. never have guessed that. I know. That. It's shocking. I don't know how you figure that out. It must be some kind of genius. It's shocking. Look how cute it is, though. Some kind of wizard. That's adorable. What the hell? It's so cute. But it's made out of rocks. Yeah. Oh, my God. It has a fireplace. It's so cute. When they reached the shelter, they stopped for 10 to 15 minutes to warm up and briefly escape the wind and cold. So not only... Did they take the wrong trail? Not only did they forget their food and water, not only do they not have GPS or a proper map, but it's also windy and cold. By the way, you stop for 10 to 15 minutes, you're not warming up. You're getting colder. FYI. By this point, Michelle had slowed her pace significantly, and Eric had to wait for her often and push her to keep up with the pace. Shit, have they not hiked together? You should know the pace of the person you're hiking with. Yes. 
This is why I don't hike with a lot of people, <laughs> because of their face. And I just yell at my mom when she yells at me back. <laughs> but at least I can be mean to you when you don't keep up. I can't be mean to normal people. Yeah, so when we all eventually go hiking, she will be mean to me, and I will be mean back. And We're not really that mean to each other. No, it's not that bad. Thing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm trying. I want to have a drink at the I'm top, trying. and I can't have it until we fucking get there. So I'll let's hurry. I'll hurry. <laughs> Okay. Give me some cashews. <laughs> I do actually have I to feed her cashews. snacks because I always put my first snack in my pocket because within my a mile, I need fit. to eat something. My pocket's too little. You can fit some cashews in your fucking pocket. But it's hard to get my hand in my pocket because my pocket's so much smaller on the side. Well, just pull out the bag and hold it. No, I don't want to. I want to reach in my pocket. I want you So it's easier to reach into my pocket yeah. to get your cashews instead of holding your, your pocket's own way bigger. Cashews. Your pocket is so significantly bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> So by about 1.25 p.m., both Michelle and Eric had completely run out of water with only a half mile and 500 feet in elevation gain to go to the summit. Which, that's so close. But 500 feet is a lot of elevation gain when you're out of water, you don't have food, and you're already not feeling great. And it's already past noon. Yeah. So... Michelle finally decides that she cannot go any further, and she sat down on a rock and told Eric that he should continue to the summit without her. Eric objected, but eventually agreed. Before leaving Michelle, he suggested to her that if she wanted to keep moving, she should traverse from the trail that they were on over to the trail that they had intended to hike on. That is a terrible yeah. fucking idea eric yeah the reason he suggested this is because the two trails converge at the summit and he estimated that if she cut across to the other trail she would have about 600 feet less and avoid a field of boulders plus the other trail was better marked but traversing off trail is never a good idea no because they're still 500 feet from the summit, which is where the two trails converge. So she's going to have to go off trail to get to the other trail. <sighs> God damn it, Eric. Terrible, terrible advice. Okay, so knowing how slowly Michelle was moving, he said that he would go to the summit and then follow her down and catch up to her. He said goodbye to Michelle and then headed to the summit. And he would never see Michelle or any sign of her again. Yep. Never split up. It's not worth it. It's so not worth it. When Eric reached the summit at 1.42 p.m., he met Bill and Julia Taylor, who were enjoying the view from the summit. They introduced themselves, exchanged pleasantries, and snapped photos for one another. Eric also reportedly made a phone call from his cell phone at the summit and let his wife know that they were running late. Bill and Julia Taylor said that Eric seemed rushed to get back to his hiking partner and only stayed at the summit for five minutes. He then headed down the North Ridge route towards Michelle. Shortly after that, the Taylors heard Eric shouting what they thought was help, but he was actually shouting Michelle. Eric was unable to locate Michelle where he thought he might find her on the trail, and he didn't find her the entire way back to the trailhead. Now, when he got back to Half Moon Campground, he immediately reported Michelle missing. He's probably thinking he'll just keep going down in hopes that he'll run into her. Like, maybe she started hiking faster. Maybe she was in a hurry to get down. Something like that. But he gets down. She's not there. Yeah. 
So search efforts begin immediately. A small group of searchers went out that evening, focusing their efforts on the saddle ridge between where Eric said goodbye to Michelle and where she was supposed to have met up with Eric later, on the North Route Ridgeline above a creek. The first theory entertained was that Michelle had fallen off the ridgeline into the Cross Creek drainage. When the small crew was unable to locate Michelle on the first night, the following day the search ramped up. Vail Mountain Search and Rescue organized a search that would utilize 700 searchers over the course of the next seven days. Searchers met at the soccer field at Freedom Park in the nearby town of Edwards. From there, they were shuttled into the Holy Cross Wilderness by helicopter. So for sure the way to go on a hike like this, if you've got people wasting their time getting all the way up to the search area, it's not effective. Yeah. And like literally almost 13 miles in. Yeah, it would take it would take forever for searchers to get up there. Mm-hmm. And by the time they get up there, they're going to be tired and not wanting to search. Yeah. Five search dogs were brought into the area to track Michelle's scent. But they were unable to detect Michelle even in the areas they knew she'd been. Yeah. This is not surprising. I mean, in the wilderness, dogs do get confused sometimes. This also could have been in part because... The weather turned to a downpour of rain and snow after Michelle disappeared. So by the time the dogs mm-hmm. got there, it, it had, had already, already been washed away. Yeah. Five helicopters equipped with heat detection technology were used to try to find Michelle from above. But it was noted that the area was rough terrain and had many dead and cliff ledges. The area below the timberline has very tall pine trees, which could block aerial views. Yep. And with rain, the heat sensing technology might be off as well. So on Tuesday, September 25th, rescuers discovered a wristwatch hanging on a tree branch that was initially believed to be Michelle's, but later was determined not to be. Uh, I wonder why somebody left it there. That's annoying. It pro- somebody probably dropped it and somebody probably hung it on the tree branch, hoping that somebody would see it mm-hmm. like on their way back down or something. On Wednesday, September 26th, which is Maddie's birthday... And day three of the search, there seemed to be a turning point. A member of the search team named Brenda Parks, along with her partner, encountered a strange man on the trail. They tried to confront him to see if he had seen anything, but the man ran away from them and hid behind a tree. That's so fucking creepy. Now, when he did this, they couldn't see his face, and he refused to speak to them. What the hell? I don't know. On the same day, about 100 yards from the Cross Creek Trailhead, a shotgun was found in a duffel bag. What in the actual fuck? Comforting. Also on this day, a team of search dogs found what looked like blood in the snow. But no further investigations were done on the blood due to the bad weather. Later in the day, searchers came across a yellow tent with a light on inside. But the person inside the tent refused to talk to the search team. Later on, searchers encountered a strange man hiking down the mountain who they believed may have been the same man that Brenda Parks had encountered on the trail and that the other team had found in the yellow tent. After much prodding, they finally got the man to tell them that his name was Peter Martin. But he carried no identification and no further investigation was ever conducted on him. On the sixth day of the search, 
Michelle's husband, Ben, was actually taken along on a helicopter search to help give him some perspective of the enormity of the search. Because he's probably freaking out that they're not finding anything and probably doesn't understand why they haven't found her yet. Mm-hmm. Now, on day seven, a final push was put into the search efforts and more than 300 rescuers, both trained professionals and novice volunteers, came out to search that day, still turning up no clue or signs of Michelle by the end of the day, and the family actually decided to call off the search. At the time of the search, Michelle Venick was the largest search effort in Colorado history. Now, a 16-year-old cold case, no clues, no evidence, or no sign of Michelle has ever been found. A funeral was held for Michelle at the time she was declared legally dead. Eric Sawyer was in attendance at the funeral, but didn't speak to anyone. Yeah, and some people felt like he was acting shifty or suspicious. He was probably acting guilty. Like, he probably feels really guilty Yeah, that he made it off the mountain and she didn't, especially since he was the experienced hiker. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about theories in this case, right, we know that people can go missing and there can be no sign of them for a very long time, right? So one theory is natural causes, right? So she got lost out there. She died of dehydration, starvation, elements, whatever Mm might have killed her. Or she fell off of one of the ledges to her death because if she had signs of elevation sickness... She could have been dizzy. She could have been dizzy. She could have fell. She could have been disoriented. She was sluggish and struggling Mm -hmm. already. Also, not having food for that long when you're hiking is really not good for you. Now, law enforcement kind of believes this theory the most only because they have found no evidence that points in any other direction what about the rifle what about the sketchy guy hiding behind the tree what about the guy in the tent i think that's all evidence of like sketchy behavior at at least least a little bit at least a little bit which it is more likely that she did just get lost or fell or died of elements and her husband believes that as well he believes that she got lost out there and he does say that eric's decision to split up from michelle was an awful choice, but that he doesn't blame Eric. Mm-hmm. That would be really, uh, that would be hard. Good for you, Ben, because I would struggle a little bit. Michelle's nephew, Ethan Whitson, was a little kid when his Aunt Michelle disappeared, and now as an adult, he trained to hike 14ers and eventually joined a guide on the Mount of the Holy Cross Trail 15 years after Michelle's disappearance. His guide was... Nate Goldberg, and he had been a part of the original search team for Michelle. At least he went with a guide. Mm -hmm. He was well-versed in navigating the Holy Cross wilderness, and at one point even had to stop and backtrack since he had gotten a bit lost. So even with this experienced guide, they still got lost. Mm -hmm. Ethan said the experience of hiking the 14ers was eye-opening. I'm with someone who is extremely experienced, one of the top guides in the area, and we missed a turn ourselves, he said. And this wasn't really far from where she had last been seen. Mm -hmm. Now, Ethan and Nate were not experiencing the delirium caused by altitude sickness that Michelle likely was, and they were hydrated and well-fed. So it's hard to imagine all of those factors on top of 
yeah, that getting situation. Lost. Right. Now, I did find one incident that kind of leads a little credibility to the her getting lost out there. And that is the disappearance of James Nelson, who vanished while hiking near Holy Cross in October of 2010. Now, over 1,000 man hours in four days were spent looking for him. And years later, in 2012, they actually found his abandoned campsite, and it had been buried in the snow. Along with his gear, they found a journal that suggested he might have been suffering from altitude sickness. Now, his remains were found nearby. Missing from his belongings, though, were his GPS, his camp stove, and his camera. And some believe that this indicates foul play. However, these could still be nearby, buried in the snow. They could be anywhere. Yeah, or it could have been someone thinking there was an abandoned campsite because we actually talked to someone recently mm-hmm. who they left their boots somewhere. Yeah, so they, they were climbing and they left their boots mm-hmm. to go do this climb, and somebody stole their shoes on. The- <laughs> stole one of their boots, like only one of the pair. One of the girls' boots, because it was. And sworn. then they posted something about it online, and they actually they actually demanded cash to give the boots back. So they could have disappeared because somebody thought that they had been abandoned. But nobody's gonna leave all of their shit there like that, okay? Like call authorities if you find that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, and sometimes it's embarrassing, right? Like we had. Somebody send pictures of like or post pictures of a backpack that they found and it was just somebody who had left their big pack to go summit and come back down. So people were like, maybe it belongs to a missing hiker. I think it was on Vesper Peak or something. They're like, is this what kind of bag was Sam Sayers carrying? I'm like, her bag's not going to look like that anymore, you guys. Like, come on, seriously. And somebody was like, sorry, that was mine. I didn't mean to cause like any confusion or drama. Like I just left it there to go summit and came back. Yeah. But you leave your pack laying around, Maddie and I are going to go through it. Because Uh, we want to know who it belongs to just in case. I did go through someone's backpack when we were in Joshua Tree. It's when we went through the... uh, Chasm of Doom. The Chasm of Doom. And we found a backpack, like, underneath a rock, and it had, like, a soda in it. It had one single off-brand Fanta in it. Yeah. And it had a hat, and... It was super, super empty, and we were like, what the fuck? And then we happened to still be in the area when they came back out. And he's like, oh, my bag's still here. Sick. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So then foul play. So many Vail locals believe that Michelle's disappearance is far more sinister. And the obvious suspect would be Eric Sawyer. You know, did he shoot her with the shotgun? Well, push her off a ledge. Did he even have a shotgun? I don't know. He was seen at the summit. He was seen at the summit. Right? Seeming concerned about getting back to her. I don't... I mean, he would have had to kill her before he summited. And then, what? Gone down and continued to, like, call out her name and look for her? Like, you know she's not there. I don't know, man. Maybe he was trying to cement the story. I don't know. Yep. Um, And, like, he made up the route and the story to throw off search efforts and... Um, right, like maybe they didn't even go on that route, and that's why they didn't find her. Like maybe they had actually gone on the and other one. Then mm-hmm. it adds up that the dogs couldn't detect her smell. That mm-hmm. puts into that theory, um, and then people wonder if she was even ever there at the mountain. Yeah, there weren't any reports of her actually physically being seen at the mountain. Okay, a investigation was conducted into Eric Sawyer and. 
Um, one mention of a detective asking him if he was involved, he immediately responded that he wouldn't give answers without a lawyer present. And he was never questioned any further. Which I find very weird that he wasn't really questioned any further than that. Now, red flags for Eric Sawyer. One, he's an experienced hiker, and he had done 38 of the 14ers. And it's a very common practice to do a gear check before you leave. I'm sorry, but common practice or not, people don't always do it. People forget stuff in the car Mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, I was just talking to one of my friends who forgot... I think she said she forgot her boots or something, and she had to wear somebody else's boots that were in the car. And she was saying how weird I was going to think it was if I was the one that, like, did her story later on, like, why she didn't have shoes on or something, like, for her for Why something. her boots weren't there. Yeah, why her boots were missing. It was, like a, so funny. it was, like, a whole thing. She said, like, the whole time she was hiking, she kept thinking about, like what we would be saying about her on our podcast. <laughs> about her and her yeah. wearing some other and the boots. weird Because she said, like, a couple weird things happened while they were hiking. That It was, like, this weekend. Yeah. Now, so the fact that he didn't have food, the fact that he didn't have water, I don't know why this would help him in, in being involved in foul play, to not have food or water. Like, if he's going to kill her or push her off a mountain... He doesn't really need to dehydrate her and not feed her so that mm-hmm. she slowly moves up to her spot of death. Yeah, so I feel I don't like know. she just got lost. I don't... Well, I mean, I don't know. There were also rumors that he or, like, she had reportedly told a friend that she thought he was kind of, like, obsessed with her. So, I mean, could Eric be involved? I suppose. I don't... I don't know, though. I mean... Maybe. To me, I feel like it's more likely that the sketchy guy hiding behind the tree... Or the guy in the tent, yeah. you know, like the weird yeah, things if, that happen up there. If it's going to be that, it's gonna, if, if it is foul play, it's going to be the crazy man in the and, yellow tent. And remember, they never looked into Peter Martin, that guy that was coming down, and they had to, like, force him to tell them his name, which Peter Martin is probably not his real name. I don't know. It also doesn't sound like they attempted to identify who the shotgun belonged to either. Yeah, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I know. It's so weird. But also, if this is an area where people go out in the woods with their guns, they're hanging out in tents, they're being kind of weird, like maybe this is not unusual behavior in this area. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if it's like a place where people go hunting and stuff. So maybe that's why we're like, that's fucking weird. And the cops are like, that's not that weird. So they're not really worried about it. True. According to friends... Michelle's husband, Ben, has been engaged to a new woman for over a decade, but refuses to actually get married until his wife's remains are brought home. Oh. That is the story of Michelle Finnick. Please don't split up from your hiking partner. Please get GPS. Be careful. Be safe out there. Tell people where you're going. Send a picture of what you're wearing and your gear so that search and rescue or... Maddie and I, years later, know what to look for. We know what colors they're wearing. We know what, you know, knowing that information can be what saves somebody's life during a search and rescue mm-hmm. or be what finds your body years later. Recovery. So please, please send somebody that information. Let us know what you guys think happened to Michelle. I'm curious. I feel like we always, like, lean on the, they're probably just lost in the woods. And that's not always the case. So it's okay if you disagree with us. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. If you haven't checked us out on social media, go and do that. Also, we want to thank Laura Neald, who is one of our listeners and helped with the research on this case. Thank you. You're amazing, Laura. Thank you. We also have new Patreons. So we have Cole Martin. Hi, Cole. Welcome to Patreon. Takuya Takahashi. Sounds good. Welcome to Patreon. Thank you so much to everybody who has supported us. We would not be able to continue to do this show without you guys. You're amazing. Go support us on Patreon. You get a ton of bonus material, videos, episodes, all of those fun things. Plus, you will get our Christmas card this year. So go and sign up for our Patreon. Also, next week, you guys, is going to be our first Red Couch Report. So instead of having no episode because it's the last week of the month, we are doing a Red Couch Report, which is basically just a current event story that we are throwing together for you guys. So we're really excited to bring you that. We hate having the one week with nothing out there. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. And yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much. And we will see you next week. Oh my God, mom, have you ever heard of a nugget before? A nugget? Yeah. Like a shit nugget? No. <laughs> no, like a, like a couch nugget. Like no. a nugget couch. No, what is that? It is a children's couch. So this is a couch that's like an aesthetically pleasing, like jungle gym type of couch for kids, right? Okay. It has multiple Facebook groups that have like 65,000 members on them. Are we that's talking called about the couch? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yes. Stay okay. with me. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, I'm like, I feel like we should be recording, but we're talking about a couch. So I'm, I'm struggling, but I'm with you. Okay. okay. So it's a children's couch. It's really, it, it's super cute, actually. It's super cute. Okay. But they have a Facebook group that's called Nugget After Dark. Oh, that sounds real bad. <laughs> I don't like the sound of that at all. It's exactly what you think it is. Oh, God. It is a Facebook group talking all about how you can use your child's nugget couch. No. Like a sex chair. No. That's the nugget couch. They're super cute couches. They come in all different colors. Don't use your kid's nugget couch as a sex chair. <laughs> the Wait, is look, wrong look with up you. Nugget After Dark. It's called Nugget After Dark. Oh my God. That's so disturbing. And it shows you like the different, the best ways you should position you can use. The nugget chair. I mean, I'm not judging, but like your child's couch, I don't know about that. Everything, nugget after dark, everything you never wanted to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's true. And then it goes and <laughs> it gives you the suggestions of <laughs> the best ways to <laughs> position your nugget for nugget after dark. Oh, God. Perfect. <laughs> Um, yeah, there was a nugget couch in the Airbnb that we were in. Oh, J- yeah, you should probably be concerned about sitting on it then. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. Reels, like, gross. Exactly. <laughs> when we walked in, I was... Avoid sitting on it in any of the positions that those couches are set up in. <laughs> 
it came up on my TikTok for you page once, and then I got stuck on Nugget After Dark TikTok, <laughs> and I didn't know how to get off. <laughs> I just kept seeing things I didn't want to know about a Nugget couch. I'm pretty sure somebody was trying to hack into our TikTok today because I kept getting authorization codes sent to me. <laughs> I was like, nope, I'm not trying to uh, reset my password or anything, so I don't know what this is. Someone's trying to hack into our TikTok. Like, we haven't even posted anything, people. There's nothing good on there. Why are you trying to, why are you trying to hack into our TikTok page? They want our name. Okay. See, we've been recording for eight minutes now. We've done nothing. Hey, we have uh. good content here. Listen to the, the nugget end. couch. <laughs> Listen to the nugget after dark conversation in here. We were able to use a generator. Oh, good! Congratulations. Did you have to like? Yep. Pull start it. Yep. Nice. We did it. We could. We I'm did impressed. It. I had a lot of trouble with the um, propane heater mm. when I stayed at the last lookout tower. Like apparently, it's like a magic heater that you can only start if you have magical powers. <laughs> Because I was not able to get it going. And I tried, but every time you try to ignite it, it makes like this really loud popping noise. And I wasn't alone in the tower, so I wasn't trying to wake everybody up. But I was like... Who was in the tower? Shed in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. So I woke up at like 3 in the morning and I was super cold. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just go turn on the propane heater. And so I like push the ignite button and it's like this like horrendously loud, like you're banging on something metal noise. And I'm like, shit, nothing happened. I'm like, do I do it again? Loud noise. Shit, nothing happened. Like, I literally tried for like 10 minutes to light this stupid pilot light on this heater. And so funny. No. Yeah, there was just a little like round fan heater in there. Mm. But Sometimes we, that's all you need though. I mean. Yeah. We had to turn the generator off when we went to bed and it got so cold. Mm. And we had so many blankets on top of us. It was like a weighted blanket, and I woke up like panicking oh, in the morning because yeah, no. I felt like I was being strangled. It's getting a little cold in our area for like our outdoor kind of adventures of any kind. Like we are struggling to stay warm. We're struggling to hike in the snow. We're struggling on searches. We're struggling everywhere, basically. So, yeah, I need warmer weather clothing. Even though I have all the warm weather clothing, it's just not yeah. enough. Luckily, there were other hikers around that we were hiking with, and she felt like she had to keep up with them. She didn't feel like she had to keep up with me. So no, I'll drag you down all day long. <laughs> yeah, so so on the days where Maddie and I hiked alone, we hiked a lot slower than on the days where we hiked with other people because I could only push the pace so fast Yeah, with Maddie's motivation to not piss me off. But her motivation to not be left behind by our new friends... Yeah, Pushed of course. I can't hold yeah. back four people. I can hold mm -hmm. back you. Uh, thank you, Jose. Thank you, Greg. Gregory. Gregory. I don't know why I can't and call him Greg. Abby. Abby, yes. Thank you, all of you. Also, Abby, thank you for stealing coffee for me from the jackass at the refuge who wouldn't let me have coffee. I appreciate that, even though we had to, like, yeah. run when we they had, caught us. Literally, we, so we had gotten up so early, like, it was, like, 105 out was during the heat wave that Europe had a few years back. And, and we had a really long day. Yeah. So we We had, like, started, a 19-mile day. Yeah, we started, like, in the middle of the night, basically. We started at, like, 3 or 4 a.m. Yeah, and total pitch black, and we got to the first refuge right at sunrise, and it was a really hard hike to get there. And I hadn't had coffee or caffeine because we left so early. Yeah, our refuge didn't make breakfast that early. Yep. So I just wanted a cup of coffee, and they wouldn't give me one. 
they're like, no. You didn't stay here. You can't have coffee. I was like, I will buy because you can buy beverages and food there. But they were like, we're not selling yet. You have to wait. And I'm like, so Abby like goes in. She gets a cup of coffee, and the guy's like watching her the whole time because he's totally suspicious that the <laughs> and coffee's she's not like for her. standing there, look, looking out at like the sunrise, like try, like pretending to drink the coffee. She, and she's like sitting there pretending to sip it. We have we. It was the first time we met her too. We had no idea who she was because we had just we she had met Gregory at that refuge the night before yeah. who we had hiked with a couple days. That's why you don't go hiking with random men. Okay. So this is why you don't talk to random men. This is why you just don't talk to men. Also, no. by the way, I went and ran some errands at Home Depot and Lowe's for Shed today because he was putting the walls up in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to do that again. Uh-oh. What happened <laughs> to you at Lowe's? That was bloody fucking awful. What happened to you at Lowe's? Well, first, I needed, like, this the vanity for the bathroom. So it was up on, like, a high shelf, which I can't get down. I need, like, a they need to get, like, a forklift lift or whatever to get it down. So I'm, like, I told an employee, and she went to go find one. And then while I'm, like, standing there waiting for her, I had, like, multiple guys ask me if I needed help. Like, random men? Yeah, like, people shopping there. Like, they're not even, like, employees. And I'm, like, no, I'm fine. Thank you. And then I went to the Home Depot in Marysville because they had the tile that we needed. And I'm, like, loading the tile into the cart, which was a huge, huge mistake, by the way, because tile is really fucking heavy. And the box has, like... I don't know, like five or ten pieces. I don't know how thick they are. Pieces of tile inside of it. Okay. And they're like, it's like the big floor tile. So Mm -hmm. they're like this big. So like I lift up the first box and and I put it into the shopping cart and I can like barely get it in there. And the cart's like rolling away. And it's like the most awkward fucking thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm like, I probably should have gotten a flat cart, but I didn't. So then I get like the second box and I'm like trying to drag it out and I'm like putting it in the cart. And then I'm like, how the fuck am I even going to get these out of the cart when I get back to the car? But that's fine. That's a problem for another day because I don't want to look like I'm in distress. By the time I get the third box in, a guy's like, he like is walking by the aisle, sees me apparently. And then he comes back and goes, comes down the aisle. And he's like, he's like, would you like some help with that? And I was like, no, I'm good. Thanks. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. Okay. So then he leaves. And then I'm like, yeah, I probably should have gotten his fucking help because then the other, like, I needed eight boxes total. And I have two in my cart right now. You just should have got back, went back and got a flat cart. Okay. It's too late for that, though. There's already boxes (laughs) in the cart. All right. So then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I get all, or I get all eight boxes into the cart. I broke some, by the way. It happens. And I had to put some on the bottom of the cart. It, bloody nightmare. The cart must have weighed like 500 pounds. So I'm not kidding you. I had to like, like, like really like push the cart. Should have got a flat cart. No shit, Madison. Thank you. So I like. You always get a flat cart when you go to Home Depot. I, I th- always I get a flat cart. I thought I was getting cart. a couple boxes of tile. You I didn't know they were going to get be a so flat. big. You always get a, I'm pushing my plants around in freaking Home Depot with it. I would never buy plants flat. at Home Depot. You're judged heavily when you buy plants at Home Depot. Yeah, I anyway, did it once. I bought my fern because anyway, it was super cute and we were getting other things for the bathroom. Anyway, so I finally get to the front. I go to self-checkout because I'm mortified that I have these heavy-ass boxes inside my cart. And I know I'm going to get judged by anybody who works there. So I, like, ring up my my things and then I'm, like, like getting a running start to, like, push my cart to the car. I get to the car I get Phoenix in the car because I know, like, I'm in for, like, a workout to get these things into the car. And I have to do it without the cart rolling away because I'm kind of on a little bit of a hill. 
So I get to the back and I open the back and I'm like, fuck, I just got to get this done. And then this guy comes over and he's like, hey, I saw you pushing the cart from the register. He's like, it looked really heavy. Like, can I help you unload those? And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he's like, can I please just help you? And I was like, fine. (laughs) So he like starts loading them in and he's literally like picking them up like they don't even weigh anything. And I'm a pretty strong person. So it's really embarrassing. And then he's like, he's like, well, I sure hope somebody helped you load these into the cart. And I'm like, sure, I didn't. I did it myself. And he's like, he's like, nobody offered to help you. And I'm like, I didn't say that, (laughs) but I did it myself. And then he's like, do you have somebody to like help you install these, this tile? And I was like, yeah, I do. Thank you. And he's like, okay, just checking. Like, you want to come home and help me? Like, Women, Women cannot put tile in. They can, but I don't know how. That also, is besides the point. Also, I don't even know how to use the proper cart at Home Depot, so obviously I need help with my tile at home. Uh, Jesus Christ. It was, I don't know if I was, like, embarrassed or, like, happy that there's so many helpful people <laughs> at Home Depot that don't work there. Side note, not one employee tried to help me at any point in my (laughs) excursions. It was all customers. Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, so that's what happened today. Phoenix was like, Mommy, who was that guy? (laughs) I'm like, that was my new friend. Don't tell Dad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think you go. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. We're very distracted today. <laughs> we're 30 minutes in. Shit. <laughs> and we're on the first page. <laughs> we're at the end of the first page at least. Okay, go. I guess. Okay. Okay. Fine. I want a new backpack just because <laughs> you pocket. want the big pocket. But I can't do that. So now I'm just have to suffer with small pockets. Well, if you'd kept your bag in good shape, you could have sold it for really expensive and bought a new one. No, my bag is trashed. Your bag is trashed. She still has like the rusted can. Cans Stop. and bottles Don't that we tell the backpacking community how disrespectful I am to my gear. It's so gross, you guys. Okay, go. 